today we're going to look at something perhaps a little different uh, in the Easter story and in the story of the crucifixion and in the story of the, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, today I want us to see ourselves in the story. I want you to find your part in the greatest thing, in the greatest event, and the most historical event that ever happened in the history of the world. I want you to find your part, the part that you played in the story. And it won't be hard for you and I to see ourselves in the story if we truly have a, an open heart and an open mind. I know sometimes we want to think of ourselves as the hero in the movie. And we want to think of ourselves as the good guy or the good girl in the story or in the novel. But if we were to be a very open and genuine with one another, we know most of the time we're not the hero in the story. Most of the time we're not the good guy or the good girl. Most of the time we're the villain. And in today's story, there's a very clear picture of a villain and a clear picture of someone that was deserving of punishment. And sometimes you and I will look at that person with judgment and with condemnation and we'll say, yeah, he, that criminal, he, that bad person, he, he's been found guilty. He's deserving of death. And we'll project that onto him without recognizing that that's you and that's me. Today we're going to see ourselves in the story of the cross, and it is in the story of Barabbas. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to open them up to, first we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, we're going to begin around verse 13, and I'm going to have you stand for the, the focal text, and then I'm going to read a text from Mark. But I'll let you sit down after our focal text of Luke chapter 23. So would you please stand in reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 13. This is what it says. Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You have brought me... This man is one who subverts the people. But in fact, examining him in your presence, Pilate said, I have found no grounds to charge this man with those things you accuse him of. And neither has Herod, because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. For according to the festival... He had to release someone to them. Then they cried out together, Take this man away. Release Barabbas to us. He had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What has this man done wrong? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. But they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. Their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and release the one 
they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we ask today that each of us would do an honest assessment and see our part in this story. Sometimes God would want to be the hero, and sometimes we want to be the good person in the story. But most of the times we stand guilty, deserving of the punishment and deserving of, of the consequences. But you deliver us from that, and you give us a full pardon. And, and, and God, today I want everyone in here to recognize the free gift of God that is offered to each person. It's not about church. It's not about religion. It is about a relationship through Jesus Christ, your Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So today, for that one that believes, there is everlasting life that is offered. Though we don't deserve it, and though we're deserving of the opposite, we're deserving of death, you extend to us today that gift. So help us to receive that. For anyone here that has not, and God, may today be that day that their life is forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to continue to read out of the Gospel of Mark because I want you to see the Gospel of Mark's perspective in this same passage, but it's a different perspective from Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, beginning around verse 6, this is what it says. At the festival, it was Pilate's custom to release for the people a prisoner they requested. So it's the time of Passover, and every Passover, a prisoner got a pardon. Not that he was deserving of it, but it was a tradition. It was a custom. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder. This is a convicted murderer. During the rebellion, the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. So Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Again they shouted, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted, Crucify him all the more. Then willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. So think about it. It's the time of Passover. A tradition of men in, in the Jewish tradition was that during Passover, they would release one in observance of Passover. They would release a prisoner. He would be granted a, a pardon. And in today, when we see in our passage that we read, that you have two choices here. You have a rabbi that is actually credited with performing miracles and healing people. And then you have a convicted felon, a murderer, an insurrectionist, someone who has stirred people up, and in that riot, someone dies, so he's charged with murder. He is convicted, found guilty by a jury of his peers, deserving of death, and yet the crowd is saying, give us Barabbas. Release Barabbas. And crucify Jesus. I mean, to us, it seems like a clear-cut choice between this miracle worker and then this convicted felon, this murderer. You and I surely would say, he's deserving of death, not this rabbi, not this teacher. So who was Barabbas? What, what do we know about him? What, is, what does history teach us? 
we might find out something interesting today. First of all, his full name, are you ready for this? His full name was Jesus Barabbas. Ooh. You see, Jesus was not that uncommon of a name in the first century. Uh, in fact, it's not that uncommon of a name south of the border. Amen? Can I get a witness? <laughs> so, his name in the Hebrew is actually Yeshua Baraba. Yeshua Baraba. Now, Bar, anytime you see the word Bar, B-A-R, in the Bible, it is son of. Son of Bar Abba. Abba means father. So his name literally was Jesus, son of father. And he's a convicted felon. Someone has died because of the actions of this man, Jesus, Barabbas. Now think about it. What Pilate would have said that day, 2,000 years ago, he would have offered to the crowd, Jesus, son of father, or Jesus, son of God. Think about what the crowd faced that day. Two choices. Jesus, Son of Father or Jesus, Son of God. And yet the crowd, because of the religious, because of the people stoking the, the uh, animosity and, and the fires, they, they riled the people up and said, give us Barabbas. We want the convicted murderer. We want him to be released. And on the other hand, we want Jesus crucified. He's stirring people up. He's causing problems in Israel. Think about what it meant on that day for this very notorious person, Barabbas, to be given a full pardon. Even though he deserved death and even though he was a convicted felon, he gets released that day. He was notorious. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm bad, I'm bad, you know it. Because you see, here's what we do. We look at other people we look at other people and we see all their faults and all their problems. And we look at Barabbas and say, he's bad, he's bad. And we say, he's deserving of death. But listen to me, right? Here's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what else the Bible says about those who fall short of the glory of God? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the deacon, everybody. Even your grandmammy said it. Did you know that? Me, yeah. me. Paul, Paul, all of them. Right? <laughs> For all have sinned and fall short of the word of God. Now, now watch this. Ready? For all have sinned. The Bible also tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. Well, all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, right after that, it says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Then it says in Romans 5 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet convicted felons. While we were yet dead in our trespasses. He didn't die for you when you got your act cleaned up. He didn't die for you when you finally figured out this thing we call life and you started watching things and, and watching your behavior. He didn't die for you when you started going to church. He didn't die for you when you all of a sudden uh, started acting like a good guy or a good girl. He died for you while you were yet sinners. God demonstrates his love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus. You see, in this story, we want to be a good guy. We want to be a good girl in the story. But in reality, we're all Barabbas. Deserving of death, deserving of punishment, guilty, guilty, guilty. 
I don't care if the glove fits or not. You are guilty. You are guilty. Dead in your trespasses. Because all have sinned and fall short. Because the wages of sin is death. Then we are Barabbas. Even though we don't see ourselves that way, we are Barabbas. And on that day, over 2,000 years ago, Barabbas was set free. So what do we know about him? Well, the Bible doesn't give a clear picture, and unfortunately, history doesn't either. Now, there's legends. There's legends about Barabbas. And it's interesting because there's two legends of Barabbas. There's the legend that Barabbas, when he was set free on that day, he couldn't believe it. And he went to Golgotha. What is Golgotha, you ask? That's the place of the skull. That's the place where they crucified criminals. And on that day, because he knew, he got a pardon. And the cross that was intended for him now had a man named Jesus as well. But this is Jesus of Nazareth. And some legends say that he went to Golgotha. And he watched. There's a legend that says Barabbas stood there and watched what happened at Golgotha. And one legend says that he was so impacted by what Jesus said and what Jesus did on that cross, how he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He watched all that. And from his vantage point, one legend says that it changed him. And he believed in Jesus. Now, unfortunately, there's another legend. The other legend says that he got set free. And I know Lisa would not believe this, but he went right back into a lifestyle of crime. He went right back to his old ways, committing more crimes and doing more bad stuff. He didn't learn while he was in prison. He didn't change while he was in prison. And apparently, in that legend, he watched what Jesus did. He watched it from his vantage point and it had no impact on his life. Two legends. And do you know why I think there's no clear indication of which is the truth, so that you can see yourself. Has the cross changed you? Amen. I think we don't know the full story because that way we can see us in the story. Did the cross make a difference in my life? Did Jesus' death mean something to me? Or did I just go right back to the way I used to? Did I just go right back to doing what I've always done? Has the cross made a difference for you. Now, I know some of you, you can't picture yourself as a convicted felon. <laughs> I know some of you don't see yourself as Barabbas because you're like, hmm. well, I've never done anything illegal. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> I, know, I know how you are. I, I know that some of you think that that, that could never be you. Hmm. There's some people sitting in jail that thought that too. Yeah. Hello. Hello. But I think some of you might see yourselves in the other part of this story that I want to draw your attention to. Because if you can't see yourself in the story of Barabbas being given a pardon and not having to die and Jesus taking his place on the cross, if you can't see yourself in that, maybe you can see yourself in this next part of the story from Matthew chapter 27. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 27, beginning around verse 50. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And suddenly, the Bible tells us, the curtain that was in the temple, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, the curtain was split or rent in twain, split in two from the top to the bottom. 
Now you say, what's so special about that? Well, it was a 70 foot tall curtain. 70 feet in height in the temple, and it separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And only the high priest, and only at a certain time of year called Passover, he could go behind that curtain. It was thick. It was woven. It had to be a certain dimension, 70 feet in height. So maybe you can't see yourself as a convicted felon, but can you see yourself as a religious person standing in the temple on that day, going through your religious motions, doing church? Can you see yourself just going through the motions of church and standing there on that day? And when Jesus gave up the Spirit, you're standing there and a 70-foot-tall curtain split from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top. Not done with the hands of man, but done with the very hand of God. Split that curtain. You know why it split the curtain? Because now the Holy of Holies is acceptable to you and accessible. We can go there. We can be in there. There is nothing that separates us. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, nothing, nothing. The curtain that was split. I wonder if the religious people that were in the temple that day, and they watched that happen, did they realize that the law cannot save them? Did they realize that religious duties and religious observances and religious traditions cannot save you? Did they stand there convicted thinking, if going through these motions and all this temple and all this ritual, if that's not what saves, and there's a man on the cross right now dying, and now this curtain is torn, what does that mean to me? You see, maybe you can't see yourself in the convicted felon, but can you see yourself in the religious and the church crowd? Did that curtain make a change in any of the Pharisees standing in the temple that day? I wonder that. I really do. I wonder if any of those religious Jews standing there that day felt that earthquake under their feet and watched that curtain tear. And they said, ooh, Lord have mercy, I better get some forgiveness and get me some Jesus. But see, I'm going to tell you something. You come to church and you go through these observances and these traditions and you think that somehow that's what will save you. It's the cross. Only Jesus can save you. It's not the traditions. It's not the observances. It's not the rituals. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have it, you can take the Lord's Supper every day of the year, 365 days a year. You can take it twice a day if you want to. You can take it like aspirin. But listen to me. If you don't have Jesus, then none of that will save you. Come on. Not only Jesus can save you. So I just wonder. If you didn't, if the curtain tearing didn't change those religious saints, is that something? I wonder if this next part would have. Watch this. This now this is in the Bible, so don't get mad at me. But this is what it says in the Bible. It says that the curtain was split in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. And watch this, verse fifty-two. The tombs, the tombs were also opened, and many bodies. Many bodies of the saints, look at what it says, who had fallen asleep were raised, and they came up out of the tomb after his resurrection. They entered the holy city, that's Jerusalem, and they appeared to many, it says. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. If I'd been walking along Jerusalem, and the cross didn't matter to me, and the, the curtain in the temple tearing didn't matter to me. But I'm walking along, and I see someone that had been dead all of a sudden walk around. He's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> that would have that done something to me. That would have impacted me. 
But listen to me. Time and time again, Jesus has revealed himself to you. He has shown you things in his word. You have seen things with your own eyes. You've heard things with your own ears. You've experienced stuff. And you're like that guy walking in Jerusalem like an ostrich with his head in the sand. Huh? What's going on this week? Huh? What was happening? Somebody must be having dinner on the ground. There's a lot of people <laughs> Literally, there's so many people that know what it says, and they've heard the stories time and time and time again. They, they come to church. They, they, come, they hear the story of Easter. But has it changed you? Has it impacted your life? Has it made a difference? To me, if I see what happens on the cross, if I see what happens in the temple with the curtain, if I see people that used to be dead walking around, it's going to make an impact on my life. But did you know that that's not even the best part of the story? The best part of the story that I have saved for last comes out of Matthew chapter 28. And this is what it says. And I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Look at your calendar. The first day of the week. On that Sunday, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. And he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. And his appearance, look at this, his appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. They fainted, they passed out. But the angel told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. For he has been resurrected, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he's going to have you to Galilee, and you'll see him there. Listen, I have told you. The best part of it is, not only do we have a cross, not only do we have a prisoner set free, given a full pardon, not only do we have a, a veil, a huge curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, that veil is torn in two. Now you can come into God's presence. Now you can be one with God. Not only do we have all that, not only do we have saints that used to be dead that are now walking along, but we have a tomb that to this day, over 2,000 years later, is still empty. I've been there, and a group from this church has been there, and they testify. He ain't there. You said that ain't good grammar. It's not, but it's good doctrine. He ain't there. He is alive. Amen. Does that make any difference in your life? Does the cross make a difference? Does the veil make a difference? Does the prisoner being set free make a difference? Does any of that make does an empty tomb make a difference to you? That's right. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today, during this part of the service that we call the invitation, I'm asking God for us to stand.